What wait, what did you say you looked like? Looks like a Star Wars fan. The it's director? Like a really chubby guy with like a big beard. <laughs> oh. Yeah. On record, Josh says the director of Mandy and Beyond the Black Rainbow looks like a Star Wars fan. I think Red Light Media said that first, so I didn't steal it from them. I stole it from them, but Oh. Okay. But he does look like he does kind of look like a guy who got a Comic Con or something. Looks like I gotta do a song. You love this one. <laughs> Alright, here we go on two movies. Alright, so... Do you want me to give you a beat? Beyond the Black Rainbow is not the best. It's pretty lame and it makes me think... It makes me stay at home in my nest. It's so stupid that it makes me think of what's the best. I don't like it. I don't care about it. Mandy was better. Mandy is cooler. Mandy is like my friend Andy, who's cooler than all my other lame friends. That, I don't I don't have a friend named is, Andy. Is that it? Is that so? Yeah. Okay, it's pretty good. I don't have a friend named Andy, though, <laughs> so that was kind of just a BS okay. one. Nice. And I'm not going to break out for this one. Well, welcome to Josh and Tyler Talk Movies. I'm Tyler. I'm Josh. And today, we're talking about two movies I recommended, which were, it's a Panos Cosmatos double feature, independent filmmaker, who I really like, um, and the two movies that, he only directed two feature films so far, one of which is 2010's Beyond the Black Rainbow, and the other one is 2018's Mandy. I'm surprised he got work after Beyond the Black Rainbow. <laughs> Not because it's like bad, but because it made like... Like, well, I don't think I think it costs like nothing too. Really? I think I think it, well, it took like eight years to get another movie funded. It wasn't like yeah, a, people were knocking on his door. I think I think what happened was well, Elijah Wood produced um, Mandy, yeah. and he apparently saw Beyond the Black Rainbow at some film festival a couple years after it came out, and basically went up to him and said, "I will produce whatever you want. Like I, you know, I have this new place, I have this new studio called SpectreVision, which makes a lot of good stuff." Um, did you ever watch Girl Walks Alone, Walks Home Alone at Midnight? No, it's really good. Um, he says as he yawns. Um, it's a really, really good vampire movie. I think you'd really, you really dig it. Um, but uh, but yeah, he produces stuff like that, and he basically was just a really fan, big fan of this movie that not a lot of people saw, and he kind of gave him the, the rights to it. And pa- Panos Cosmatos is the son of George P. Cosmatos, who directed um, movies like uh, Rambo First Blood Part Two, Cobra, and Tombstone. So he's he's he has family familial. Um, uh, you know, people in the business before him who made successful films, so I'm sure that's probably a good reason why he was able to make another movie after Beyond the Black Rainbow. But. Well, that's all interesting. Very, very interesting. Are you being sarcastic right now? Or? No, I'm, I'm being serious. Okay. Uh, very interested to talk about this direct director. Director. It's auteur. <laughs> His auteur. This entrepreneur, per right. se. What did you think of the two movies I made you watch today, Tyler? Or yesterday, when you watched them? Beyond the Black Mirror, Rainbow. or Beyond the Black Rainbow. You say that every time you bring it up. Beyond the Black Mirror. It's such a catchier title, but whatever. I like Beyond the Black Rainbow. I think it's a way better title. I mean, I it's also, it's, it's also, um, sorry, go ahead. Eh. Okay. Yeah, so it's fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I could care less. Okay. I know it has, like, mixed reviews or something. It's got ca- a kind of a cult following, too. Okay. But, but it's not, it's not anywhere near as big as Mandy. Yeah, Mandy was a lot better. Okay. But I still didn't love it. Okay. It, it was it was good. Okay. 
might be great. Okay, that's fair. I really I I appreciate Beyond the Black Rainbow in a visual sense, but I agree it's not the best. Um, although the things that stand out Beyond the Black Rainbow to me really stand out, like the visuals and the score. Um, and I do find, even though it's been I've been over a year since I saw it the first time. I just revisited it yesterday. Um, I was still had the same feeling watching it the first time, which is I started kind of doze off at parts, but then there'd be something really cool that happened, or something really interesting visual that would bring me back into it. Um, but I agree, it's definitely a, a mixed bag of a movie. Um, Mandy, on the other hand, I fucking love. I love Mandy. I think it's like, I, I think I ranked it as my favorite movie of 2018, and I still stand by that. I think it's my favorite. Well, it's, it's up there in my top, like, tier movies of the decade. Like, I fucking love Mandy. And I totally understand that I am not... That is not a common opinion that Mandy is like. I mean, I, people liked Mandy when it came out. Like, it was a big surprise. But people do not love it maybe as much as I do. I am obsessed with that movie. Yeah. Um, but I can understand why you don't think it's perfect. I don't think it's a perfect movie. But I think it is, for what it's a co- attempting to do and what it, the impact it had on me, I think it's like a 10 out of 10 for me, personally. That's pretty dope. That's awesome. So what 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 are what are we gonna talk about when it comes to Beyond the Black Rainbow? I think we should start with what do you like about it? Because you kind of you know, and, and this is anything against you, but you kind of talked about what you didn't like about it. What were the things you appreciated about this movie? And I guess should I explain the plot? It's very loose. yeah yeah yeah. The plot doesn't really matter, but um, it's basically a visual feast. Um, but it's basically about a um, place called the Aborea Institute that. Um, is meant to be, like, this futuristic kind of um, place where they heal the human mind, you know? They drug people, and, and they kind of, you know, and they try to... And it's, it's meant to be this kind of happy home for people who are disturbed in some way, but it winds up being nefarious, obviously. And in this facility, they have this telekinetic girl who's very dangerous, and um, we find out more of her backstory as the movie goes along. Uh, and... At the center of it is this relationship between this young girl and this uh, doctor who is running everything, and he's sort of very egocentric and loves having power over her, and his sort of desire to have power outside of where he... uh, On top of everything that's outside of this uh, institute, he wants power over everything. and It's basically a story about ego, which is what Mandy's very much about, too. Um, And it's, it's... But at the end of the day, it's way more of a visual experience and as a, a a story uh, you know a, a beginning middle end kind of mm-hmm. structured story um, absolutely yeah but what did you think what, 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 what were the things you did like about Beyond Black Rainbow um I liked the some of the visuals okay not all of them okay. it, I, it, it, he he does this thing and specifically Beyond the Black Rainbow where there are certain points where the visuals or the editing to me range from like excellent to like awful. Okay. So like in the things I could say were like that were like awful to me were like I I never liked it whenever the girl was doing the telekinesis. It just looked like Shaky. It, yeah. It, it yeah. reminded me we were talking about uh, it. It looks amateurish. Yeah, it's very like it's just very shaky. It's very like just trying to add all this motion board, make it look all like oh you know like they have no idea what's going on type of deal. And it's just like, I don't know. I think it's so like, it reminds me of like a fucking Saw movie at you'd this hate, point. I think you'd hate every modern David Lynch movie because he does that all the time. He just uh, did it at Three R's thing. Yeah, yeah, he did it at Three R's, yeah, at the very beginning. The, um... Uh... 
The other one that bothered me, it only happens like one time. Actually, no, there's two other things that bothered me in the editing and the uh, visuals. And it was the part when the doctor goes to go look at all the information. It's only one part, so it's not a big deal. But like when the doctor goes to look at all the information, the nurse. Oh, she's she, like, finds looking, the, she finds, finds the, yeah. She finds out that like, you know, this he's doctor's like kind of like fucked up. Yeah, yeah, he's a freak. And when she's looking through the info, it does the fucking, like, Age of Ultron thing, where, like, they do that thing where, like, it goes through all the information, and it's like, it's like, it looks yeah. like fucking Transformers 1, and I was like, oh, no. I was like, oh, I hate that. <laughs> and then, I, I felt that the cutting to the red blinking light was so overdone after a while, it happens over and over, and I was like, I get it's supposed to be a transition from uh, Elena, I think is her name, or Elena to the yeah, to the to the doctor guy barry yeah i think is his name uh and i get it's supposed to be a transition i was having the barry theme but i don't think people would know what i was doing i wouldn't even know ba -ba, I, I... Ba -ba, ba -ba. <laughs> <laughs> hbo hbo plug uh, watch barry it's such a good fucking show. watch barry barry's great um did you finish the whole series by the way yeah i finished right. both seasons yeah um, but yeah, whenever they transition from the doctor to the girl, it's always this like blinking red light. They do it, they do it so much in the first half and then they never do it in the second I'm half. I think I don't remember it that often, but I guess I wasn't looking for it. Oh, it's like, it's like probably 10 times. Really? It happens and it, it happens quite a bit. Just a blinking red light? Like it, it transitions from like this, like, like just to like the red and then like a solid red to like a blinking red. Oh yeah, yeah. They scene. do that a lot. They do that. They yeah, fade exactly into it, fade out to it. Exactly and they do it over and over just to transition from, uh, Elena or Elena, whatever the fuck her name is, to Barry, and they stopped doing it halfway through the film, and I feel like it's because they were like, oh, we're doing this way too much, mm -hmm. and it felt and like the editor was like, oh, I did this way too much, I'm just gonna stop doing it now, mm -hmm. and it's like, well, now you've done it like 30 times in the first fucking half of the movie, and now you're just not gonna do right. it anymore. It's Either so go awkward. all the way in, or... Yeah, I was like, I was like, if that's your style, and that's gonna be your style, it's annoying as fuck, but like, you're cutting to like, halfway into the film now, and you're like, oh, I'm just not gonna do that anymore. Right. But the rest of the visuals and editing are really good. I specifically love the the 1966 segment. It's oh, fantastic. That's the, that's the centerpiece of the movie to me. Yeah. That yeah. whole segment's great. That 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 scene scared the shit out of me. Like, first time watching it, I really, really got it under my yeah. skin. I, I, I think that scene is scarier than anything in the rest of the movie, and anything in Mandy, even. Like, just that scene in particular to me really, like, is sort of the moment where I was like, oh, shit, okay. Like, this is... That's when the movie starts to get really pick up for me. There's when they go to that... Mm. Not that the movie is like fast paced ever that because all those movies are kind of slow and but um but I think yeah that stuff was like really great that was really good um I really enjoyed I I guess I, I I mean I don't know like one like I I like the soundtrack like you're saying I I don't remember it vividly but I do like it. From what I can, like, I recall watching the movie and being like, oh, this is a really good score. I love the theme. I, but I have the vinyl, so I, it's kind of, I listen to it. It's something that you, yeah, yeah, you've heard a lot. The, I like the color palette um, that just goes along with the visuals to me. I love his minimalist style. I love that one of the things that I realized watching it this time around was that, like, how little sets he had watching it again. But he's he shoots them in a way, it, Mandy does this too. He shoots them in a way, very low angles or very different angles, that makes it look huge. Like he makes the hallways look massive and makes the makes it feel like you're in different rooms when he probably had maybe one set. Yeah. And he was just kind of moving around. And I, as someone who appreciates like low budget filmmaking, I really I really like stuff like that. It does look very. Uh, it does look high budget for how much it probably yeah. did cost. Because I think it was like I don't know the budget. I know it made like 
$100,000. Made 56000 oh, yeah, Jesus yeah. Christ. I, I, that's what I was like. I think I don't think it got like a real release. I think it got like, it was played at some festivals and that was pretty much it. And then went right to Blu-ray. But, um, but yeah. Yeah, it, uh, it does have a style to it. I mean, the director definitely, you can tell the director knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So I do have the respect simply for that. It's a debut film. It, it's it's good for that, especially. I think you were good when you compared it to THX. I did, yeah. THX 1138, where I don't really care for that movie. Yeah. But as a movie that's a, that's a debut film for George Lucas, that was really good. It showed that he had promise, yeah. and then Star Wars and that stuff knocked Rather it out of the fucking park. Yeah. Wars, yeah. Um, this does the same exact thing for me. I don't feel like Mandy's like a knock it out of the park, but I do feel like it's definitely a step in the right direction. Oh, yeah. To where he knows where he's going now. Mm-hmm. I also feel like this film... It's weird because I, I don't... It's memorable, but it's memorable because of the visuals and it's slow and the soundtrack and things like that. I don't think it's memorable. And I like how over the top the fucking Doctor is. He always looks like he's fucking sweating and wanting to I, fucking murder I somebody. I love the Doctor. Like, I think yeah. he makes the movie to me, like, so watchable. He's always, like, so, like, like, he, he looks, looks so he, he, just, he looks so angry. All he never. Time. I love it too because he never like seems like he's gonna. He never fully snaps, but he just seems like he's on the edge the whole movie. Like he just can't fucking stand anything. No. He, nope. hate, he hates not being in control. Like he, he, yeah. him not being in control is just the most frustrating thing, and that's something that carries over to Mandy. But the last half of this movie is a completely different film to me, and it's not even in the same way of like. Mandy, where I think Mandy's kind of an entirely different film for its last half, but I think it transitions really nicely. I this say, one, he goes back over to his wife, and then he like, I would takes say off his the, wig. That's not the next. I think that's like the last twenty minutes to me. But too. even then, that's that's even that's even worse to me because it's like there's not even like this yeah. long like like oh like we're transitioning to this type of film. It's just like oh last twenty minutes now we're like a slasher film. I do remember watching it the first time as much as I love because in the film you find out that this doctor he he basically like. It's, it's vague, but he, he basically took some sort of drug and went into this crazy, you know, existential, life-changing, altering event that kind of fucked him up. And did he... Is he the father of the do- of the child, of the girl? Is that what... Not Barry. The, uh, the doctor is. The old guy, yeah. So he the had old. sex with the woman that we saw at the beginning. Yeah, and that woman died. That woman died. Well, well, the, well, the, well the, woman in, the woman in 1966... She died. ...was the mother. That's right. That, yeah, that, and that, she that, died, that. and that was like the sacrifice to create... Elena, Elena. Elena, or give okay. her powers, or whatever. Got it. Okay, okay. That was a little vague. <laughs> it's very vague. I, I that was what I got from the wiki plot. Because okay. like I said, I always read wiki plots. I, I, I mean, I like that's a little vague. I like that it's yeah. not. You know, that's one, that it's I, not direct at all. I like that's that's one of the elements. Like I guess that the nine sixty six element is the best scene in the movie. I feel like it's like yeah. really, but um, but basically he he's changed through this, and he's sort of his eyes are all fucked, and he wears a wig and he wears contacts, and so by the end of the movie he kind of goes like, fuck it, I'm gonna take all this off and stop playing around and go find her and you know, he takes he looks all fucking weird it, it's a really creepy image like his eyes the, really fuck with me like I could just like you stare at those um, the, the the whatever the fucking like contacts they gave were really scary yeah I thought for a while he was like a fucking there was like a first I think for the first half of the movie there was like one point where I was like is this dude like a fucking robot or something yeah yeah like, he, he acts like the the like like the David of like Alien Covenant yeah. or some shit yeah. where he's like walking around he's like always like having like these fucking weird movements to yeah. people and like reactions yeah 
And um, I think he, it's just because of how fucked up he was. In oh, he is. Yeah, he's he's so fucked up, and he thinks because he's like gone through this whole transcendent experience that he's like a god higher than people. Oh yeah, like, yeah, he's which uh, that to me that his whole story is so he like, fucking murders his wife, murders his wife. But I was gonna say was is that I, I mean as someone who like slasher movies and stuff, I definitely like thought that scene was fun. Like, when he goes and kills those guys. But at the same time, I was also kind of, like... It was kind of... It reminded like, me of Psycho 2. When they just that kill That scene where they have, like, the random slasher The whole movie's scene. trying to be, like, calm. Like, this Hitchcock yeah. movie, and then there's this scene... There's these two... Let's have sex in the Bates house. And I was like, are they trying to make a commentary about, like, fucking, like, the dudes during, like, the Reagan era? I was like, I'm so confused. Because, like, these guys just come out of nowhere, and they're like, like, yeah, bro, fuck you, you fat lord! Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Remind me of, like, Rob Zombie characters. That was what was weird. Yeah, it was like, it was like... Okay, so you want to make a slap? It was because the movie is so not that. It's. So I think he just wanted some more kills. I think he wanted more kills. I, I almost wonder if it was a studio thing. I mean, I can't imagine studios yeah. would get involved with this that much. But I, I still think it's like, okay, can you like we're promoting this to like the slasher? Like we don't know who to promote this to other than like the horror community. Yeah. Can you please put some like murder, like some kills in there? And um, like as much as I, as cool as it's scary as he looked, and as cool as when he fucking puts the knife in the guy's mouth, blood spews out. It was like it is. It does feel like a completely different movie, and not in the way of Mandy, where it feels like it feels like there's a transition, it, yeah. where it feels like oh okay here we go. It's yeah, there's like, a point. There's a there's an hour mark in Mandy. Mandy right is, at the hour mark. There is literally yeah. a, a split in the middle of Mandy. Oh, Mandy there is. is like there is. Fucking right. There in the is. There is. Because I remember pausing it. I actually like to sometimes pause movies at certain points to be curious because there's always been this thing where like they try to in the editing room they try to keep it to where like certain things happen at certain times and if you look at mandy it's a two hour long film like dead on two hours, yeah, two hours. right at the hour mark is when his wife dies and it's when he's like all tied up and he's like angry and shit and it's like that is the transition that's the transition. It's right at the hour mark. right and it's 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 perfectly executed exactly almost. and but- this movie, it's like last twenty minutes. Oh, let's just add in the slasher movie stuff, and also even the escape stuff. Some of that felt really strange to me. Like the like, what's that? Like the zombie part. Was a, I I I've come the things like up against the window, like looking. I, th- I thought I thought it was a freaky ass image, but yeah. I was I was weirded out because I remember I don't I saw the movie a year ago and I don't remember, I didn't remember that scene at all. I was like, oh, that's right. There's a fucking like mutant guy in this, and I guess he was mutated because I, I my my reading was. It's the same thing that'll eventually happen to the old man with all the drugs. Like he'll just become a fucking like mutated, and yeah. you know. And I thought that's what happened to that guy, but um, well, I think they're doing tests on all these different people. Right, sure. Yeah, that's okay. like, I took it as like a, like a like a facility that because from what I read on the um, I'm gonna I'm gonna quote the wiki plot. Go ahead. Uh, but in, they talk about how uh, Ar- Arabes, what is it called? Aboria. Aboria is. This place where they're trying to take spirituality and science and create new, a new era of humans. Mm, okay. So I took it as, like, these are just different test subjects. Like, this okay. is, like, a facility of test subjects, right. almost. And so the fact that she has, like, she's telepathic is not, like, a surprise. It's not something that's, like, abnormal in that facility. It's, she's just another test subject right. of all these people. Gotcha. And, um, and this guy's, like, just in control of all these different people. Even, even down to the... The, the red the red dudes who are like kind of like the sentient guards yeah yeah they're supposed to they're they're even like those are subjects. My, I love the, those the like fucking little baby face yeah. thing on on it that was that looked like um that looked like some shit out of uh, it was funny because I when I thought I don't when I saw it I don't know why I thought of it I thought of a fucking fantastic planet for some reason I can it's see that because the faces weird. of the aliens I thought to me it's um Panos Cosmatos always says that his favorite director of all time is Ridley Scott favorite director of all time. And I think Beyond the Black Rainbow has a lot of elements of Ridley Scott 
Uh, no, for sure. Because yeah. well, I think even there's really Scott made a movie called Black Rain. I think that's even why he called it Beyond the Black Rainbow because he wanted it to kind of be a little homage. And 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 there is some visuals, but I also got more than that. I got um, I I, I was thinking I was thinking a lot of the way it's lit, especially when um, Barry goes to visit Doctor Arborio and he's all old man, he's all fucked up and. That was lit like Blade Runner to me. Like that felt very like the kind of greenish hue over it, and you know, just that felt almost that almost felt like um, Tyrell meeting Roy and Blade Runner um, to me. But um, it's really interesting. I was wondering because, like, as as people should know, if you watched our Andre Tarkovsky podcast, my favorite director of all time, like my top three is Ridley Scott. That's crazy. He was my childhood favorite director. That's cool. When I was a kid, he was the first director that ever got me involved with film. You lie. I really liked. I really liked Daniel. Really, that's awesome. You, you and Panos Cosmatos be buddies. Could... Dude, we just talk about Ridley Scott. We'd be like the alien, bro. He <laughs> loves alien. We're like we're like xenomorph costumes. <laughs> talk about Mandy. Oh, yeah, he no, he loves. He loves Blade Runner. He loves. But um, I was gonna say too. I think a lot of this movie reminds me, strangely enough, visually is very two thousand one A Space Odyssey. In yes. the In the way the the costumes even costumes yeah. are very two thousand one. The furniture is very. The, the lighting for some reason that shot when the guy when the you see the baby face and the sentient takes its helmet off that looks very two thousand one like just the light I completely the white, agree stark I completely, white yeah I completely what agree. were you gonna say sir I do have a um I do have a couple of uh, questions one revolving around do you know where the Reagan era stuff comes in from in this like the symbolism for any of that in well, the storyline it's also in uh, well, I think it's important to note on that that both this and Mandy take place in 1983, yeah. the same year. I noticed that Mandy takes place in the same year. And also you hear Reagan, I don't know if you noticed, you hear Reagan on the radio uh, at the very beginning of Mandy. You hear um, when uh, Nicolas Cage is driving up. Yeah, he turns it off. He turns it off. I was yeah. like, so thank God. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know exactly if there's anything he's trying to say. I, I, want, I do think there is sort of a, a critique on capitalism, maybe? A critique on... Greed and and how I know greed and power is. I think power. I think power is a big, and I think his belief is that the Reagan era sort of led to a lot of growth of power, Mm -hmm. growth especially in white men and 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 male egos, and it's sort of like Wolf of Wall Street era, you know, like that crazy, you know. And I think that's kind of like what he's getting at. He's having like this horrific depiction of that, like in this like this is this is it gone wild. Like this is this is what happens when a man thinks he literally. It is his destiny to rule. It is his destiny to to conquer. To conquer. I think yeah. that's kind of what he's getting at. I think he's pushing that Reagan idea to the furthest extent. It doesn't. It doesn't rain. It it doesn't get in the way of the movie. But I definitely hear everyone. Everyone brings it up. Like, oh, it's a Reagan era movie. And I'm like, well, it is the Reagan era, and Reagan is. Yeah. It's literally the Reagan looming, era. Looming, yeah. but it's not like I don't know if it's meant to be like a indictment on so much of the Reagan era just in the male ego. I think it was like a synopsis on one of the things like Rotten Tomatoes or something. And they yeah, were like, something, they were I like, think it's... even the, my Blu-ray copy on the back literally says like set in the Reagan era of, and it's like they make that Reagan thing yeah. super clear. Yeah. I was always really confused. Yeah, I was always like, is there like a symbolic interest in that? Yeah. Um, we should say that definitely that the uh, the reception on this one versus Mandy is very mixed. Well, I was gonna if you uh, if you would give me a second here, I was Absolutely. gonna pull up some re- quote from reviews. But this came out in, and I think when it first came, I think its Metacritic score is like forty something. Um, yeah, I saw it was like forty eight. I think it's not. It's not a. But it, and I think I only think the it went up to the fifties in recent years because I remember someone in an interview talking about how Beyond Black Rainbow was in the thirties when it came out. 
Like it was not. It got kind of a following. Um, it's uh, what do you think? It's what would you say? It's okay. What's the tomato meter? Maybe tomato is fifty eight. What do you think its audience score is? I think I already saw it. I think it was a fifty two. Fifty two. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This is a thing you... <laughs> this would be cult class. This is from uh, Lou Luminick from uh, the New York Post. It says, This would be cult classic is the movie equivalent of gazing at a lava lamp for nearly two hours. It's a pretty funny yeah. review. Um, pe- a lot of people said brought up lava lamps. And that's a common thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, nothing much happens in this experimental science fiction horror film. What... Little does happen is a slow motion at a snail's pace. This is a movie too that a lot of people like gave like one out of fives, and then a lot of people gave like four out of fives. Like it's there's not there's a polarizing a lot of yeah, in between. Absolutely, a um, couple three out of fives here and there. But um, here's the one I thought you'd be interesting. This is from uh, Tim Brayton, who's kind of an asshole. He always like gives bad reviews to good movies and vice versa. But he, um, he he's he's sometimes reliable. He gave this one in 2015. He gave it a nine out of ten. And this is sort of interesting to use. A film for people who might call Stalker their favorite movie of all time if only it were more opaque. So, you know, a little audience, but a passionate one. That is a very interesting review. I Because you not... love Stalker, and you, you did not like this one. You were more... Stalker is like one of the slowest movies ever, but you were way more bored by this than... No, I definitely compare this one far more to people who... Because there are also people who love and hate THX 1138. Mm-hmm. And I would definitely say if you like THX, you probably will like this mm-hmm. i did not care for this at all okay i i think stalker stalker works differently for me in a lot of ways because stalker makes its it, it explores these themes that it brings up it dives into these themes in every mm-hmm. scene with all these characters where you have like the right of the professor the stalker and it, it dives into that entirely whereas this doesn't have it doesn't have, for one thing, the characters that can represent anything. Mm, nope. It's just like, oh, Doctor, who's like the big greedy guy. I also think the themes in this, are you can't explore them nearly as much. No. And I think it's trying to. I think the reason why Mandy worked for me was because Mandy has similar themes, but Mandy, it's not trying to really like like, like explore every And Man- Mandy, to me, it. though, even though it's not doing that, it doesn't seem as pretentious. To me, I, I could talk about the ideas of Mandy for hours, like yeah. way more than I can be on Black Rainbow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, in one review, this is kind of a little more positive than I would be, but I'd still lean more toward positive this movie. But AV Club writes, Beyond the Black Rainbow is more surface than substance, but those surfaces are gleamingly polished, enough to make for a hypnotic experiment that goes beyond genre pastiche or art school wank- wankery to seem formally daring. So yeah, I think there's... The, the the problem that lies for me is that when people describe something like that, that sounds like something I'd, I'd go out of my way to watch. It. Oh, me too. I would. I would go out of my way to watch something like that. I, I think you and I are very similar in our, like, I, I like style. I like, yeah, I like visual style. I like to watch... It's a visual medium, are, yeah. so I like when... I'm, I'm okay with some style. I like stuff. watching... Uh, for example, like Blade Runner twenty forty nine, just yeah. due to the fact of like the visuals and color palette and things that movie's like that. a good movie too. But that visual visuals are fucking worth, you know. And I don't get that from this movie in the same vein. Mm-hmm. I I feel like the the movies that I don't really want to ever watch ever again that I really like are movies that are depressing. They beat me down. Like movies like like uh, like Twelve Years a Slave, Requiem for a Dream. Shenmue not those List. are bad movies. But yeah, just... no, they're not. They're fantastic, but they're. They beat me down so much that I'm right. just like, I don't want to watch this again. Right. And 
this movie, I don't want to watch it again. Right. But it's not because of that. It's and it's not and, and it's not one I'm going to revisit because of the visual essence or style or anything. There's a few shots that I find to be extremely memorable. We talked about that one uh, in 1966, that black circle. Mm-hmm. Guys crawling out of the goo. Yeah. And that's like amazingly, that's terrifying. That was the first image of this movie I saw actually was on. But when I look at the rest of the movie, it's like there's there's not many things that match up to that. A lot of this film, especially the first half of it, a lot of it is to me, even though I like the visual style, I like how slow it is, it's a lot of it is just close-ups mm-hmm. of people. Whereas in, in going back even to Stalker, Stalker, yeah, there are close-ups. There are things. But no, like there's that. visual. Like, there, there's like there, even the first half of it has like has like this style where you're like obsessed with it because like even the first shot is just an empty bar that's like completely drained well, out. Of I think life. another thing about Stalker, like if we're talking about you know Panos Cosmatos is no Andre Tarkovsky. Yeah, even I looked at that. Yeah, I, but you know I'm not. He's, this is a guy who's made two movies and, and you know he's nowhere near a master. But um, I think even something like Stalker, for all for how slow it is and. Every shot is deliberate. Like every shot is perfectly like planned. Like there's a reason why the camera is this and why the camera is focusing on this and not that and blah blah blah. And there are shots in Beyond the Black Rainbow that I genuinely feel like less, definitely less of the Mandy. I think Mandy is a much more deliberate movie with its filmmaking. Um, there are shots in Beyond the Black Rainbow that, as beautiful as they are, I think completely just are are Panos Cosmatos being like, oh, this would be cool. Like the same way I would when I when I did film class. Yeah. Not so much for would it be for the good for the story, just is it cool? And the one shot I think about a lot is there's a scene where Barry gets a phone call mm-hmm. and he picks up the phone and he is to the corner of the screen. His face is cut off by the camera. There's a bunch of empty space. Empty space, and he's out of focus. Yeah. And it's not, a, and that sounds like it'd be an ugly shot, but it's a beautiful, it's a really interesting shot. It's like, I was cool. talking about that shot a lot when I was it's watching like, That's really interesting. Because it goes on he for would so choose long. The, and, But you start to think, well, why did he do that? What's he trying to say? Is he distancing himself? From that's him? what I was thinking. And then you're like, not really. It yeah. just looks cool as fuck, but yeah. it, it's not like. It doesn't, yeah, it does, it's not really saying much to no. me. I, I, I actually remember that shot because when I saw it, it goes on for so long, it goes on for like a minute. I do and, love that like weird droning noise in the phone, but it's, it's just. Bizarre. Yeah, when I was oh yeah, the, like the weird like that was what that was I think that was one of the scenes where I was like, is this dude like an android or so? I was like, what the fuck am I watching? But I think um, I think that was one of the uh, the sentinels calling him. That's why okay. I took like put out name Sarku. No, yeah, the um that whole scene though, I was thinking in my head, I was like, what is the point of like all this empty space? What's mm-hmm. the point of showing him? Because usually you have like compositional stress where it's like somebody's out of the out right. of the middle of the shot, out of it's not symmetrical, which is meant to show like. This is this is like a very like psychologically like pushing situation like like if somebody was like depressed you might have like a shot of like a bunch of empty space and them on the side of a sidewalk mm-hmm. on like the right of the shot or some shit. This does that exact same thing, but it's him on the phone. I'm like, what the fuck is the point of this? And it's not like it, he's out of you know he's he's distancing himself. He's not in power, not in control. He's very much in control in that moment. Yeah. He's learning about this girl who. Yeah, it would make sense to have that shot in the scene where he's talking to the older guy who's telling him to inject him with the drug and everything like that, to have him, like, off to, like, the sides and show his, like, fucking psychological stress so that he's, like, really... But then in all those shots, he's right down the middle. It's all close-ups. Yeah. And, uh... I think, I think, um... I love, I will say one thing I do love is the, um, that elevator shot where she's crawling to the other side of the wall yeah and there's like this huge hole yeah and it's like i was like trying to figure i was like that's a painting i was like is that a matte painting because it reminded me of uh empire strikes back when lucas hanging on to the 
Yeah. Because that's a painting underneath Mark Hamill. I was like, is that a painting? But they do so good because there's a little blinking light yeah. at the bottom. And I was like, oh, somebody edited that added just to add to the depth. It's really just cool. Just to be like, oh, that's... There's some cool... I, I love... Um, I, 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 in terms of good filmmaking, I think there's things that I really liked, too, where watching a second time is... Um, he'll introduce something and you don't know what it is. And then... You're already familiar with it, though. So when some, a Slater scene happens, it explains it without... And I think one thing is that made it clear to me was there's this big... Inside the facility, there's this big triangle thing. And she keeps touching the wall. Uh, Elena keeps touching the wall. And she, like, gets hurt. Like, she can't use it. Like, she can't do something. Like, it's something that's, like... That that thing, so whatever it is, is hurting her. Like, what is what is going on? I think it's making people complicit. Well, no. Well, that's the uh, thing. That's what I was... So, so but what happens is, and it's really cool, is that when he wants to kill... When he's like, okay, this nurse tries to steal shit from me, and he basically locks her in her cell with her, he turns down the knob, and that thing, you just that one image that you saw goes down, and she's immediately able to use telekine- telekinesis. Without yep. any dialogue, we get it. Like, oh, that thing is stopping her from using her power well yeah i think in that scene he's trying to kill the nurse because the nurse saw saw that information that she was like searching Mm -hmm. through which saw fucked up he was and he's trying to kill her in a way that's not him doing oh yeah yeah. it's like i just want her to do it yeah so he's like go take that thing from the room and you know it's gonna make her super upset when she takes the picture but she can't do anything then he releases her and it's like oh i like that part i I love um that was that was a very neat scene i like that scene i like that death is really cool too because it's just like immediately like cuts just just, like her eyes just fucking go I do love um, this the image right after that. I think the scene that sticks with me the most is the shot of I think it's the first shot. I, like whenever people talk about this movie, it's like this is the one shot they always use. Um, I, I don't know if you follow one perfect shot on Twitter. Yeah, they always use this shot, but uh, it's the one of the sentient in the glass room with all the mirrors when he first wakes up. And he wakes up and he walks out and there's that really cool music. Yeah. It kind of drags her back. It's just such a cool the way he's shot. It looks that so old cool. costume is so 2001. It's so badass. Bad. Yeah. I love. I love to look at this Mandy, but this especially this one. He hates. Um, he doesn't like cuts. He doesn't like cuts. He likes fades. Yeah, he likes to do all. So of it'll fades. be it, 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 between conversations. It'll just fade. And then Mandy has the ultimate one, which yeah, um, Mandy's got that insane one. Oh my that, god, that was like great. Yeah. It was amazing. But that he loves doing that, where it's like he'll just he'll just fade between characters rather than or or fade to a black screen rather than like a you know, which I really like. Like I said, it's visually stunning at times. But um, I agree, this is not this is not this is more up my alley because of what it the synth music and kind of the cool like horror atmosphere. But I fully admit that this is not like a masterpiece by any means. This is for people whose favorite film is Stalker. I know. That's why I do get pissed off when I read that. I um, read that review and I'll be like, oh, no. great. Yeah. That guy gave it a 9 out of 10. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I wouldn't give it a I, I, th- I think I think this movie... Well, it is funny, though. There is people who still think... Like, I know a film critic who I really like who's like, he hated Mandy, but he loved Beyond the Black Rainbow. And he's like, why did he... He fucked it up with Mandy. And then I remember I was taking a friend to a video store in Asheville and it was right around when Mandy came out and Mandy was kind of like with all the hipster people in Asheville it was kind of this small thing about people like oh did you see Mandy Mandy was fucking awesome um, but Beyond the Black Rainbow was like kind of this unknown movie and I was at a video store my friend was like hey t- can you take me a video store it's Halloween like can you take me a video store and like show me some good horror movies to get and I was like yeah I was like oh this is perfect for me I can just you know yeah. like oh here's this 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 and then I said oh this is Beyond the Black Rainbow this is a pretty really cool interesting looking movie uh, director Mandy uh, and then this lady who was stalking the shelf was like it's better than Mandy and I was like okay you're like no it ain't I, 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 I really looked at it I was like no it's not Mandy it's way better than Beyond the Black Rainbow 
But I do, I do appreciate Beyond the Black Mirror. Like we said, it's a, it's a solid. I think it's a solid first movie. I know you don't really like it. I want to meet somebody who loves it because I want to know what they get out of it. That's the thing. I don't, I don't. The thing I get out of this movie is visuals. I think it's visually yeah. stunning. But I don't, I don't get like, I don't feel the need to talk about the themes of this movie. Because there's nothing. It, it, to me, it's like they're exploring base surface level themes, and they're trying to dive super deep into them. But there's not much to dive into. I think I think Mandy does that too. But for some reason, for some reason, I I, I find there's more to dive into. I also don't think that Mandy dwells on it as much as this movie. This movie dwells on it in a sense like it's it's relying on it. Like the fact that he he's so he's he loves a director like Ridley Scott too. Ridley Scott does that all the fucking time in his movies, and especially in his newer ones. But um. When I watch a really good Ridley Scott movie, his best ones are the ones that bring it up. They talk about it. They don't dwell on it longer than they need to. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't dwell on the same theme over and over and over. That's not even something you can really dive into. Right. I can't dive into the idea of 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 uh, of power and greed eventually causing like a, a, an absolutely terrifying case of somebody like you know being like becoming evil or whatever i can't i can't dive into that unless it's like a character study in the sense of like fucking like taxi driver or some (laughs) shit i can't dive into it in any other way if you're just going to comment about how this like main doctor of this facility is like evil because of his power and greed and you're going to talk about that for the whole fucking movie because that's all the commentary is there might be like a little bit of some other things but that's what the main commentary is and it's like okay i get it yeah, I think I, I get it by the twenty minute mark. I think you're right. I think I think I think like I said, it's very it's very simple. Like it's, it's it's very it's it's not enough to dive into with what's saying. Mandy's not nearly as much dwelling on it. Well, and, and, and also, Mandy think, also has characters and I think, who I like. And I think Mandy is layered. I don't think it's about one thing. You yeah. know what I mean? I think there's a lot of or, uh, multiple. I think Mandy, Red, and uh, Jeremiah, the cult leader. I think I think those are all characters who I also really enjoy watching. Oh yeah. And in this movie, it's just all slow takes of people who aren't really doing much in the mm-hmm. first place. And I'm yeah, like, you don't you don't learn to like these characters. I and I we'll get to this. I feel terrible for whatever's happening to uh, Elena Elena. or Elena, but like it's it's not. I don't get time with her really. It's just you just see like she's just being pushed down, and that's it. It's not like I get like any like moments where I, I actually know her. I will say, uh, not to debate with that, but I I will say, I, and this is something I really like about Mandy as well. As dark as this, these movies get, it, it was funny watching Mandy again the second or third time. I was I thought about this where I was like, this feels like a he Pelos Cosmatos feels like a Rob Zombie, who who has cool visual style that Rob Zombie does, but better in my opinion. Well, yeah, and and, and I, who can make a good movie? Who can actually like not who can let his visuals do the talking and not his dialogue i was i did get vibes of occasionally like rob zombie but i was thinking in my head the whole entire time i was like rob zombie would do this so much worse that's what i was gonna say is because elena you know i mean again i i wish we knew more about elena and saw more of her pain rather than you know but at the same time i'm glad it wasn't like a rob zombie we just like saw her getting raped yeah you know and like and see like some brutal thing happen and and that there's a similar thing happens too in in mandy where one of um jeremiah's uh acolytes leaves uh leaves a girl in his room and he leaves and the camera cuts as she walks towards him and it's like that's all you need like you don't need to know what he does to her you know we're, we, we can assume that it's not good and i don't need to like dwell on this like horrible you know nightmare scene of him raping someone or yeah i think it's also in transitioning into mandy i think it's so i think it's like the movie 
the movie not only dwells on its themes, but it also dwells on relying on certain shots and certain things, even in its visuals, like its visual cues. Yeah, the black green Yeah. Yeah. Where I'm talking about, like, the, the, like, I talk about, like, the fading into just red and then fading out to something. It's, like, it relies on things like that constantly mm-hmm. to try and give itself, like, a unique visual sense. Whereas, like, it's never really doing anything that new to me. Mm-hmm. The, the 1966 segment is the only exception to that. Yeah. And everything else feels like it's just relying on doing these like taking like one thing that might be like oh slightly different but then like dragging out for as long as possible in its visual sense like i'm gonna keep on doing this over and over and over because i'm not gonna do anything new mandy constantly has new things going for it throughout its visual style and that's what makes it unique in terms of style what would you uh let's do ratings now for by on black rainbow if you give it i know not a 10 but what would you give it like a uh a grade wise like letter grade uh, C plus. Okay, I was gonna give it a B minus around the. I will say I would maybe even give a C plus. This rewatch of it did not hold maybe up. Maybe a C. Maybe a C. I did this rewatch of it did not do much for me. Like I, I, I was excited to rewatch it, and I realized I think I think my enjoyment of it more the first time was more like not knowing what the fuck was gonna happen next. I mean, no. like, oh, okay, this is weird, and but it's it's not a it's not a rewatchable movie. For sure. Um, so I would, I would, I would definitely give him like a B minus. I love the score. I'm still glad I own it. I, there's some really cool things in the Blu-ray, and I like the um, the soundtrack's beautiful and it's great images. But to me, it's it's a it's more of a, a setup to what would be a better movie of Mandy. Did I ever tell you that I thought that the beginning of Mandy, where he turns off the Ronald Reagan thing, was him basically being like, "I'm not going to dwell on this shit." I'm like, "Oh, that's like, like he's like, I'm not going to dwell on it," because like the very first shot is just Reagan talking over the radio, just instantly turns it <laughs> off, and I was like, "This is hilarious." I was like, "I love that." Do you want to do you want to describe the plot of Mandy? Because yeah, it's really simple. Go ahead. It's just there's the two people who live out in the woods, uh, Mandy and Red. Red is played by Nicolas Cage. Who's Mandy played by? Uh, Andrea Riseborough, who was she was in. Uh, Birdman. Okay. And um, then you have a cult that also lives out in the forest, mm-hmm. and the cult sees the wife, or the girlfriend, whatever she's wife, right? Uh, I, I, think think wife. I think they're yeah. husband wife, yeah. And is like, oh, I want that girl to be a part of our cult. Mm-hmm. They're like a, they're like a, like an obscure Jesus cult, where they believe Jesus was like wrong. They think, they think, no, they think. Because they Jer- believe there was no sacrifice for what Jesus did or something. Right, well they think, Jer- well they think Jeremiah is Christ. They think okay. he is the second coming. Okay. He thinks he's the second. And guy. then all these people are just tripped up on drugs. Mm-hmm. They take her, and then they kill his wife, and then that's the midway point of the film. And the rest of the film is him trying to get revenge on them. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's essentially the plot. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, this movie. I saw this movie when it released in 2018. It was it was coming on VOD like the next day. But I was hyped for this movie for months because in January of 2018 it premiered at Cannes and it had like a four minute standing ovation. Which is crazy to think a movie like this. <laughs> yeah. Like a four-minute standing ovation at can. And, um, and 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 I just... I was reading about what it was, and I'm like, it's a fucking, like, cha- movie where Nicolas Cage gets at a chainsaw duel, and yet it's also, like, very emotionally satisfying. And I was like, what the fuck? I need... Like, I, this sounds like my shit. Like, I need this movie. I need this in my eyeballs, like, right fucking now. And mm-hmm. I waited for months. I saw the trailer. I was hyped for this movie. I was more hyped for this movie than anyone. I was like... MCU level like I have for Mandy <laughs> this movie that I didn't even I never even saw I never saw Beyond the Black Rainbow I didn't see it until months after I saw Mandy and then I kind of and then it's one of those things that I'm actually glad it happened it was at 100% for so long on Rotten Tomatoes the scores were so good from critics that once it got a more wider release out of the 
film circuit, critics were starting to be a little harder on it. So it got like low 90s, low 80s, high 80s, you know. Um, reviews weren't great. And I was like, okay, well, now I kind of know temper my expectations. It'll be kind of a, just a fun B-movie with cool visuals and some... And I'm glad I, I my expectations were lowered a little bit because I went... It was playing at a, at a Regal Theater <laughs> in like the middle of the day. It's like the only screening uh, at a mall. <laughs> and I yeah. went and it was a packed house. Like it was packed. And it was people with like Nicolas Cage t-shirts, like memes t-shirts yeah. and shit. And I just fucking loved it. I was like, I love this movie. And I remember the second it ended, half the audience left immediately. They're like, fuck this. This is the most boring piece of shit I've ever seen. It was stupid. And then the other half just kind of sat through the whole credits. And then I remember literally just the guy going like, holy shit. <laughs> they were all like, and the, like, some people like started applauding. It was, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, so Mandy really like, I just, I, I adored, I adored Mandy. But what did you think watching it the first time? Um, you, I know you don't love it as much as this. Totally fine. Yeah. Uh, this is not I'll, like this is not like a witch situation where people like this fucking fucking idiot. Like I, I get. Yeah. I I I do really like it. Mm-hmm. I think that there's actual execution with it. Like there's an actual like this is the goal. This is the execution. Whereas Beyond the Black Rainbow, I don't feel like there really was Rainbow's like that here. much. Of, yeah, it was kind of just like almost like somebody ranting about something. That's like oh, you hear some dude like rant about something, or it's like I get it. He made I he made his it, point five minutes. Yeah. Ago, like, <laughs> it's going like, oh my gosh, it's like, a very good way for it. yeah. Whereas Mandy, it it has a style, it has an execution. They know what they want to accomplish, and they're managed to do it in a really good way. On, on a when I think about rewatching this movie. The only thing that troubles me is I don't care for the first fourth of it. I really don't. Okay. There's not much that goes on that I care for. Mm-hmm. I get they want to set up the. I like the. I like the relationship between Mandy and Red. I like the way. I like how they have two scenes dedicated to Mandy and how she's so obsessed with these like otherworldly things. But yet the next scene with her, she talks about how she can't even. She couldn't even kill like a bird outside i love that i think it's great i just don't think it works with the rest of the film okay and i think that first fourth to me is the stuff that i think where i when i'm watching it and next time i watch it whenever that is i feel like i'm gonna be sitting there like this is a film about this woman who's gonna die and this guy's gonna go out and get revenge on these people and the first fourth of it is just you know just people talking and then i do wonder i didn't know when I saw the movie the first time, I didn't know Mandy was going to get killed. I thought Mandy would be, be captured. I didn't know she was going to be killed. So I don't know if that... Okay. Yeah. Right. But, uh, that, 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 so I was kind of more surprised by that. Um, I... Yeah, you know, I, I, I just love that first that first fourth, though. I, like, I... Every time I rewatch the movie, that's the stuff I get, like... And I know it's weird, because I know it's not exciting, and I know it's not, like the craziness that happens later on, but that's the stuff that I get really into. Like, I love the opening scenes of them on the water and, and, and kind of, like, I love the scene where, like, it's it's so, you know, Nick Cage is it's so Nick Cage, you know, and it's, it's strange that he's doing the Nick Cage thing, but yet somehow not being annoying with it. And I think for once he's in a movie that matches his what he's trying to do. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's at a, he's such a high level of intensity and the movie is so stylized that it works. Like they somehow did work. And I love Andre Riseborough in this movie. And I love the, their, I like, I love the moment where they're just laying in bed together 
and they're talking about their favorite planet. And he goes, "That's oh, I'm talking about." Oh, he goes, "I like, I, goes, oh, I like Galactus." You know, that's beats planet. It's just this weird, and it's because it, it's such like a, a it's like a, they're such a unique couple. Like th- this couple could only exist in this world. Like yeah. they're they're into like astrology and 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 heavy metal and like and like weird fantasy books and and he- mm-hmm. you know and it, it's just. I just love seeing them together, and I, I think I think that's what makes it her, the the sack of her death all the sadder to me is I seeing them on the lake together, seeing them you know seeing this really just unusual couple kind of just be completely they're they're all they have in this world yeah. like they, they live in a world and you don't see anyone else. I think that's very much intentional, um, and and to see that ripped apart, I think it's just heartbreaking. I I do say like the like when I bring up the two scenes specifically with the wife, the one that I the, the two that really stick out to me is the fact that. She sees like a planet, like she says, she's obsessed with Jupiter because the hurricane on Jupiter could swallow up the whole entire Earth. I do like how she basically has this sense of seeing how everyone is small, like everyone's small, like all mm-hmm. humans are small, and they're just as small as like that. That and later on, she has a whole entire bird segment. She can't even hurt a bird, mm-hmm. whereas everyone else in her whole entire family could. And it's like she can't bring herself to do that, and it's because and Red just winds up doing it. Red winds yeah. up being. Yeah. everything you I think it's trying to show that like this person like his wife has this like respect that's like mutual that like all living things are like on the same playing field like there's something like Jupiter that could just swallow the whole fucking planet and so it makes us so meaningless and that's exactly how she sees a bird in her eyes so but like, you compare that to like Jeremiah who's like he's this power he's the I exact am opposite. I am better than all of you I am yeah. greater than everything he's the exact opposite yeah. and so I did enjoy all that I just I can't for the life of me bring myself to think that there's a I, I don't mind a couple of scenes but I think it's so weird that it's like an hour into the film is when she dies yeah that always I've always found it to be so strange I like the stuff where she, when she's captured and then I like those two scenes of her and that's it okay for the for like the whole in our first half but the but the second fourth of the movie is her after she's captured so right. I don't mind any of that okay I thought the drug trip was great I love all that stuff that stuff's fantastic but I think that when I get when I get what you're conveying, I, I don't think you're going to be able to emotionally satisfy me on the level of Mandy dying. I just don't. I don't think like when I when I I I get what they're going for, and I don't want to necessarily compare it to this because it's a totally different movie. But when I compare it to something like literally like I'm compared to just another revenge movie like John Wick mm-hmm. or some shit. No, it's okay. And it's like they 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 get to the point really quickly. Right. And then the movie starts. That's fair. And I like how they're trying to express the theme of, like, Mandy... Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Red is exactly who Mandy didn't like in her family. Like, the people who would just kill the bird or, like, would 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 get into that violence. That's how that's what the enemies like, too. That's what the cult leaders like. And I like how they get into that, but I feel like it could have been done... I think this movie could have been an hour and 30 minutes instead of two hours. I, okay, that was, that's what I was going to say. I could... I, could t- I like all the stuff they're expressing, but I just feel like it could be tight and condensed for the first half. I fully admit, too, that, like, you're probably right. Like, like that is that is true. That's my biggest complaint. Because I think everyone's complaint about the movie is that. Like, even people who love and hate this movie are like, this movie's way too long. Like, it, it needs to be cut down. The reason it doesn't bother me is for purely personal reasons, is that I just love this world. I love... The way it's filmed, I love... I, I could literally, like, until um, Jeremiah shows up, I could just, like, live in that world. I love the woods. I love the... I just think it's amazing. I, I love the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think there are things in that first quarter that are very important, and things that I didn't pick up on until the second or third viewing. 
I think Red, on top of being, you know, he can be very much like her father and, you know, and the person that destroys everything and he winds up being everything he, he wasn't, you know. Um, I think there's also this element of her, of Mandy, something so magical about Mandy is that she, I think, sort of dwelled the beast within him. Like, there's this one scene, very subtle, where, um, Red is on a helicopter after, because he's a lumberjack, he's a, he cuts down trees, and um, he's on a helicopter with a bunch of guys going to, out of the location, and one of the guys, one of his coworkers, in the opening credits, hands him a bottle of beer to drink, and he just goes like, no, he like shakes his head, no. And I think like, and you see the look on his face of kind of like, you know, kind of disdain for the fact that this guy's, and I think what that was is that he probably was a heavy drinker, he probably was a da- a dangerous person, and then he met Mandy, and she sort. That's why it's like later in that scene, later on in the movie, when you have those kind of animated interludes, and you see that one of like her like petting like a giant tiger creature. Yeah, I think that's totally meant to represent him. Well, know? obviously, I mean the shirts literally his shirt Duh. that he wears yeah. earlier is literally a tiger. But I think I think that's meant to be like she, you know, I, I so I I, I really like that too. Um, well, that, is, that does make a lot of sense because even when he goes to go see his friend later, he has like the, he's like I kept your crossbow. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's like, like yeah, I think it's, it's like he used to not be a good guy, yeah. and then he met Mandy, and she kind of. At the end of this, I I'm, I wrote down some of my favorite lines as well, and there's oh, okay. one there's one in that scene that I think is like the greatest. <laughs> oh, I loved a lot of that. That's the thing though is that like this movie. The reason why I think on Instagram I I, I said it was a seven. I said it might be an eight upon rewatch or whatever out of ten. I, I think what holds me back is that I think three-fourths of this movie is, like, perfect. Mm-hmm. I think three-fourths of the movie is, like, a like near-perfect yeah. film. Yeah, And I just Basically think... Basically, once, probably once Jeremiah shows up, it's probably, like, perfect. Yeah, okay. I, think, I think it's probably once Jeremiah shows up, because I think that's when the plot starts to kick mm-hmm. in, and I really start to know where things are going. And the way you describe you love just being in this world is how I feel when I watch, like, like Alien 1. Or something like I just love like just shots that, of things. That, yeah. I think it's just because I like that atmosphere. I love just like the idea. I love space. I love movies that just linger in yeah. space and just don't do it. That's why I love Solaris, so, yeah. things like that, where it's just like oh, we just sit in space. We don't do anything. Like it's yeah. just like you're getting involved with it. It's like I like I like movies that are obsessed with that sort of atmospheric tone, and um, that this movie does have that. I just think for when it what it progresses into, the stuff in the first fourth doesn't feel like point, point, to me it's yeah, that point. that poignant. It doesn't really stick. Right. It's not going to stick with me. For it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's um, uh, satisfactory to the rest of the film. Okay. So I but I do like 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 bits and pieces of it. I just feel like it could just be slammed down into a Agreed. an hour and thirty hour and forty. And I probably and to be perfectly honest, I probably would still fucking love this movie even if it was without those. 30 minutes. No. Um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I guess we'll get into Jeremiah Sand, too, who I think is like, I think, you know, you don't play him, by the way? No. That's uh, Thomas Wayne in Batman Begins, is <laughs> Linus Roach. Which I oh, that's was, awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. He is like so good in this movie, though. Oh, I love him. He's I think great. he's like, I think, I get like so frustrated that more people have not seen this movie because I think he's like one of the best villains of like the past few years in terms of movie, like like an original villain yeah he's so cool and i mean not cool he's awful but like just the the ego of this guy like the idea of like i think there's some nothing more poignant to, to today's society too of like especially like gamer communities and shit like this idea that give me what i want like i have been kind to you 
I have shown you things. I have introduced you to things. I have enlightened you, and you, I, I deserve this. I deserve. And he's this, this this mentality of like, if he cannot get what he wants, he will just fucking kill it. Like, I, I want you're not giving what I want. I will not be insulted. Like, you know. And he, he like, you know, I mean, just these little details about him, like the fact that he like. You can tell he's, and it's through subtlety. You can tell that he like has disdain for women, in particular. He has like a few different scenes where like he'll say something like. Oh, go go fetch me, brother, whoever. Instead of just telling the person that's just oh, he like them. freaks out on her in that one yeah, scene yeah. when first meet him, and he's like, he's taught. I love that. I love the. You can tell he has like a sexist mentality. Oh yeah. Women. Well, I love it too because he has this um, this older woman who's following him, you know. And my, the way I read that is he probably discovered her when she was younger, same way he found Mandy. Thought she was beautiful, um, and then, you know he tricked her and told her he was the second coming and, you know, and, and she sort of stayed with him and, but she got older and he just found her revolting. You know, he's like, I don't want to be with her. I love the uh, commentary about narcissism. It actually fit a little bit with our conversation that we had earlier about like social media and stuff and about right. like validation right. where he talks about how he was, he, he, he was gonna He wanted to be like a musician and like they oh, yeah, rejected him. Record. They, 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 re- they rejected him. And he's like, he's like those idiots. Like, but little did they know, like I had all, I'm going to get all this. And it's yeah. like people that are just searching for this means of like validation. Even says, like, little did they know that they were speaking in the eyes of God himself. Yeah. Like, it's like people, it's, like, it's people like who are rejected for like their art or whatever. And it's them. It, it's, it's the fucking, it's, it's literally the Hitler syndrome where it's like oh he went to art school gets rejected or whatever i I think all this is real at least but um this is what everybody said i've never looked up the wikipedia but um but he was like rejected from art school and he became a dictator and it's like you find some way to vent and validate your existence like i'm i'm important i know i'm important like you didn't fucking like my art like i'm gonna i'm gonna own people (laughs) well that's what he does and it's so funny too because like (laughs) he he plays his his like his music in the scene, we'll get into the scene, but like probably one of the highlights of the movie is when he when he when he has Mandy, you know, he takes her and he has her captured. and He's explaining him that she's drugged, and he plays his his music for her, and it's like the shittiest. I know, it's I know, it's fucking so garbage. It's well, like, I think what it's a, I think it's also a joke on like the the Charles Manson music oh, oh, totally, stuff, and totally. I think it's so funny. Well, I have, I actually have a, I, I, I meant to bring it to show you, but I have a a Mandy box set from Germany that I bought. It's oh yeah, literally like, and it comes with the fucking album, like it comes with a vinyl app, the record of his. That's awesome. It's so great, and on the back, on the front side of the song, and on the back is him's like it's called My Journey, and it's just like. As I walk through, he's like the whole story of his like life. It's oh fucking gosh. crazy. It's so cool. But um, yeah. But he's just he's just, and he's the he's the one who in the room is enjoying his music the most. Like he's like I know. dancing to it and I like know. he like shows her his dick and it's. Like, I know he, he rips off all his clothes. It's like she's like she. It's so funny because I love how she she understands the concept of like narcissism or seeing yourself as like bigger than just something that's small. Like she uses everyone as like these small things. She views herself as somebody who's small, everybody. And, and she understands narcissism and the idea that like, we are this uh, egocentric species. And I, I love how the moment when he's like dancing and like, she's like, Oh, you, you made a song. You made with the song. And she's like, you wrote it about yourself. And then she just starts laughing. laughing. And it's because she's just accepting that this dude's totally like an egocentric asshole, like a total narcissist. That was one of the complaints I read that some people thought when this movie came out was like, this movie, you know, builds this really interesting female character just kills her. Like, like nothing. And I'm like, well, no, like what I love is that 
she dies because she's smart enough to know. Yeah, she doesn't fall for it. She's like, I'm not going to fall for this. Like, not that the other two people did. Like, the other two girls did. She yeah. didn't fall for this shit. Like, she knows exactly who he is. You know, Exactly what he's trying to vent. Yeah. And, like, she understands just by him saying they didn't accept me. Like, they didn't accept me into the music yeah. industry. Like, and I, I'm this important now. She understands exactly what type of person he is. Yeah. It's the type of person who's rejected and he had to vent all of his problems, accept his validation, yeah. try and get everybody to yeah. see him as a god. And she's like, you're a fucking idiot. You're so like, bullshit. <laughs> she starts laughing at him and then he, like, starts, like, jerking off and, like, screaming at him. And no. He's like, don't look at me. Don't you fucking look at me. <laughs> and he starts, like, crying in the fucking mirror and stuff. He's just, like, losing his shit. He's so... He's... Like, Linus Roach is... Jeremiah is so good in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, it, it just... Uh, and that whole scene is incredible. I mean, I mean we, we mentioned... We briefly talked about it in the Beyond Black Rainbow portion, but the, the, the effect that I think the scene where I was like, holy shit, this movie's fucking amazing, is when, um, is when he's talking to her face to face and it's just this drugged out image of like such good filmmaking just crazy oh thing. yeah it fades in and out between yeah. his face and her face it's so and subtle it's so subtle that it's like you almost can't even tell and then you're times. like wait a second what the fuck and, it's and like, you, like I catch myself I would constantly trying to find when the fade is yeah and I was just like oh my gosh it just keeps on going and I have no idea what it's happening well, it's also a great visual representation of him trying to like absorb her like yeah. come you know come to me it's like very almost vamp- yeah. but it also vampire. fits with the drug trip as well as all the other trippy visuals of like yeah. the arm movements and like yeah there's like a little like fall, yeah like yeah. fade yeah, it's really um, so cool. It doesn't look like Beyond the Black Rainbow where the... And it still looks fine, but, like, where shots would fade in and out of each other. Like, like when somebody was, like, moving down a hallway, they would have another shot of, some, of the same exact person going down the hallway, like, another take. And they would fade both together to make it look like two different yes. people also, or, like, an opacity that was 50%. Yeah, I also think, too, it does a good job of... Um, Beyond the Black Rainbow has that... It was a much smaller budget movie, too, but the scene where, like... Barry takes the drug for the first time and it's kind of a crappy green screen effect where the thing starts like melt behind him you know as he takes this oh yeah yeah and it's like but this does it in a much more subtle believable way um, which I really like yeah Um, it's uh I, I, I just also think I just kind of thought about it but like the fact that when they dive into power and greed in this film and the things that like consume you and make you like try and make you like like exposing like your uh your your extreme masculinity and like your your extreme like wanting to own people mm-hmm. wanting to like conquer i think the reason why i also enjoy more in this film is that this film doesn't try to hide it as if it's being pretentious it doesn't try to be like oh this is so subtle and it's like it's not subtle like i know what you're trying mm-hmm. to do and i've known what you're trying to do for 30 minutes now mm-hmm. mandy is like from the first fucking minute that you see Jeremiah, you're like, I know who this fucking dude is. Oh, like, yeah. He's batshit insane. Yeah. He's he's power hungry. He's all these things. And that's what I like about it. Is that it's like, it's not trying to hide it and be so subtle with it. And no. be like, oh. But there are still subtle things in Manny. Oh, yeah. That's not to say there aren't subtle, subtle things. But Beyond the Black Rainbow tries to make things subtle and dwell on them where I already know what the fuck they've been saying for 30 minutes, and Mandy accepts it, they own it, they're like, yep, yeah, this is what we're going for. Yeah. Like, this is what we're doing. Exactly. And I love that. I love that, too. Yeah, it's... It's... it's yeah, I, I really like that, too. And I think... Um, the kills are amazing. Oh, my God, they're so good. I think Nick Cage in this movie... Oh, I remember the scene that I've probably thought about more than any when I first saw it was... Um, the scene in the bathroom. Well, the bathroom is, yeah, probably the most memorable scene. That is, like... Cause, well, because it's, like... When people see a Nick Cage movie now, you know, I mean, 75% of them are trash. But every once in a while you get a good movie. You know, he yeah. makes a good movie because he's, he's just bankrupt now, so he just make, keep making He money. makes things all the time. All the time. But every once in a while he'll, he'll land on a great movie, and this is, I think, one of the situations where he does. Um, and I think 
you get the Nick Cage freaked out scene. But, like, the way it's done, I remember seeing, when I was in the theater, people started laughing at first, right, when he starts screaming. And then it just goes on and on and on to a point where it's like, this isn't funny anymore. Like, this is, like, really, like, he's... He's showing a level of pain that only Nick Cage could, and it reminded me of like the early like Raising Arizona days, and when he was in great movies, and you're like, oh, he's he can be so good when when you give him the right movie, and I think I like I love that scene, and I love too that there's like <laughs> if you know to watch it the second time, the camera kind of pulls back at one point, like kind of shakes, yeah. and I literally know that's the fucking camera operator not knowing if he's gonna freak <laughs> again. Oh yeah, actually, I was going to say I have, I think I've proof that this is like a totally improvised scene and it's because i was actually going to point out that when he's sitting down in that toilet the guy starts to go in and he instantly he backs back. up because it's like they they know he's just doing he's, he's just, just going, going crazy yeah and yeah. so they're like they're like fuck we don't know what to do yeah. like what the fuck and so like they're holding on this shot and i think in the editing room or like whenever they were choosing what take they were like this is this best thing well i just love do it. it i don't give a shit i love it too because up until that point red is a very silent character in fact red is probably the least interesting character so far yeah. in the movie and we haven't seen him do much you know we see him come in and we see him chop down trees. We see him have a make jokes with his wife. He has the little line where he says, "Knock knock, who's there?" Eric Estrada. Eric Estrada from Chips. That's the joke. Yeah. It's so stupid. But it's like yeah, okay. It's terrible. <laughs> it's like, but you know, um, and it's just like his Galactus scene is so dumb. Yeah, but it's like, I love it's it though. Perfect and and uh, you know, and, and you don't see him do much, and he's very quiet, right? And then when he's seeing his wife burned alive, he literally is. He, he, the movie cuts all the noise out. And he's already gagged, so it's like he literally, you literally don't hear him as he's screaming, you know. And I love that show when the camera just pushes in. That was I, great. I remember there was a review that said, you know, there's gonna be there's like there's gonna be a lot of crap on Nicolas Cage because he always does screaming and stuff. But there is literally shot in the movie where you see the light leave his eyes, and I think the scene they're talking about to me is it's not the screaming part, it's the scene after where he goes up to the uh, he crawls over after getting out of the like his wrists are all fucked up and he crawls over to her body and it's all burnt and he like sees her you know burnt corpse and it just kind of blows away and he sees the look on his face is just so like oh my god it's like how do you even process that yeah well i was thinking in my head when i was watching it i was i was i was actually thinking about like how do you process like this is so overdone too it's like it's like it's literally the wife he just had in ashes like it's like literally her ashes he's like picking up like her like even the ashes blow away i know and i was like this is like like that, I I love how it's so it's it's overdone, but it fits, and it's like still with like the fire she set on fire and all this stuff, and it all fits within the film. But I love how it's like done because you literally are watching it, and you're like, I've seen people die before, but this is so fucking like like depressing. I like know. it's like this dude who's like his wife is literally in ashes in his hand, yeah. and, and and then you know, and then after that, of course, you have Cheddar Goblin, which is like right after this. I know, I know. <laughs> which to me, which to me, I I read it like, because you know, I, I think talk, it's supposed to be the excessiveness of the '80s over over every like these people's lives who are like so sad. That, yeah, or something like, because I, I could see how someone would see that scene like totally inept, like oh how, yeah, <laughs> it's a, a little bit. For how sure. the fuck like is he just lost it in the worst way and he goes inside still bleeding and and there's a fucking cheddar goblin TV on. But I think the, my the, my way of looking at that is like, it's. I think someone online even mentioned this. It's like it's like when you when something terrible happens in your life and then you get in your car and walking on sunshine is the first thing on the radio. I know. It's just like it's just, the world doesn't fucking care about your problems. Yeah, that, I think that's what I liked about it though. It's like, like it's because it's so obvious that it's 
it's diving into the excessiveness of media and how like how over the top and how like funny happy media is and it's like nobody gives a fuck about, about what you. you're yeah. going through yeah, like, like we we are still gonna sell you a product we don't give a shit yeah, exactly about what you want and, and that commercial ridiculous commercial. i know so i love great. it that commercial really remind me of robocop one commercial oh yeah so that could have been like a robocop sequel commercial. yeah that, that, and i felt like it worked because i was he, like this pam's cosmos one of favorite movies is robocop so that's awesome. really yeah yeah okay yeah because i remember seeing that commercial i was like that's totally robocop oh, yeah. that was like totally a robocop thing but yeah visiting um I like the scene where he visits his friend. I, I, I'll be honest. Like I said, like this, the last three fourths to me, I think is like a perfect movie. Yeah. I think it embodies everything I wanted from this director. I think it also does a good job. One thing I will say, I'll go back to what you said. Um, I do, but I, what I was getting at was that I love the idea that that scream, that freak out, the Nick Cage freak out is, is done after so much silence. Right. And like, yeah. and like he, he literally is forced to not say anything. And then he's finally like, freaks out and drinks and you know, it's really crazy. Um, but yes, no. Um, you would think the Nick Cage freakout would be when his wife dies, but they don't do it. They'll do all. it. They, they, they so wait it. They wait it. He goes to bed, and then he wakes up in, in like the in like the middle of the day, mm-hmm. and then he just goes in his bathroom and has his freakout. That's crazy. And, but no, um, yeah, I, I, I um, yeah. I, do I, you think Nick Cage thought this movie was good? He loves this movie. Really? Um, he really is proud of this movie, and he, um, in fact, little trivia. Um, Panos Cosmatos um, approached him to play Jeremiah Sand, and he said he was like, "I don't he because he said I think he'd be perfect for this role. I think he'd be, this is like you're born for this role." And he's like, "I can see why you say that, but I don't want to play that. I want to play Red." And he was like, "Well, that's not because his idea was well the idea to him at the time in the first script was it was age versus youth, so Jeremiah Sand would be much older, and Red would be much younger, and then." Um, and he's like, well, that's a shame because I really want to play Red. And he's like, okay. And then after a couple months, they were like, we're crazy. Like, we got to get Nick Cage to play Jeremiah. And then they basically just got them uh, to play Red. And they basically got actors who were the same age to play Jeremiah and Red. Um, but yeah, so he was ba- but he was he was going to be Jeremiah. And he, but he was he was apparently going through a divorce when he made this movie, like his third divorce or something. And yeah. I think um, Panos Cosmatos was dealing with the death of his father and the death of his mother. So this was a very personal script to him. And I think, and he just said it was like, meeting Panos was like, it was just like a, a, a perfect, he's so proud, like he's so proud of this movie. Like he still, awesome. Which I think is awesome. And he's yeah, like, that's great. Like it's really cool. Um, it's definitely, by, even by watching it, and in, in surface level, people could be like, oh, it's like a psychedelic murder film or whatever. <laughs> but I, I do see it as a, it, it does look like a passion movie. More that's, so than Beyond the Black Rainbow. That's what kind of bugged me when this movie came out. I mean, it was getting good reviews no matter what, but everyone was like, this is the craziest Nick Cage movie. Whoa, it's crazy. And I was like, stop selling it like that. Like, I, I understand that it's easy to do that because there's chainsaws, there's fucking crazy drugs and shit, but it is, it, it is, a, it is a story. Like, I think it's told in a phantasmagoric way that's crazy, but it is, at the end of the day, it is a, it's a tragedy. Like, it is a sad movie, um, which I really like. Yeah. yeah, I think all that stuff is also trying to mimic what it's what it's uh, what it's eighties satire is as well. Oh yeah, times. and I also think it's just using the idea of a gory exploitation movie from the eighties to or a psychedelic movie to, to to touch on the ideas of grief. Like it's, it's also it's, tell it's also touch on the ideas of uh, 
making it even more poignant by telling the ideas of like the lengths that somebody's willing to go to, uh, willing to go to to be able to express their control masculinity yeah. power everything oh yeah and it's almost showing that off in like this most excessive way and i i, I kind of well, enjoy that i think yeah i i don't this might be going too far and you can cut this out this is too graphic i apologize but when red finally gets to jeremiah at the end and he crushes his head. He like orgasms. <laughs> like he. Oh like, oh no no! I actually I, like, I completely agree. Like he like fucking like the the scene where he crushes his head and he says like I am your God. I am your God now. Yeah. It's it's not to me. That's not even. That's not even about Mandy anymore. Oh no! It's, it's about this idea of like be, like I'm so powerful. I'm in control and like completely falling for that now like at first this was about mandy at first this was about revenge and now it's just about pleasure and being in control and, and like because there are some of these people that he kills that's like they, they didn't even fucking really like like for example like that that old, yeah, that old lady who comes he up does spare the one young woman's life though which i thought was interesting yeah and i think there's even a lingered on shot of her where i think she's kind of understanding that like oh this is kind of like fucked up mm-hmm. like this whole like cult night or the idea yeah, well, cause she cause seems she doesn't seem she doesn't even seem upset and she's like she murdered murder somebody right in front of her when they when they have Mandy captured at one point they don't even they kind of seem she kind of is quiet and doesn't talk much and yeah yeah I liked I liked the whole nurse scene yeah it's it's so she's good. young enough too to be she can't be saved she's not been in this long enough to be you know which I yeah. loved. I did, uh, I enjoyed, the deaths are so fucking good. I love the part. Is it, what's, is that, there's that part where he, like, puts the thing inside the dude's mouth. Or something. <laughs> that part fucks me up. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, he's They keep on cutting back to it, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> like just, <laughs> It wasn't bad, though. I was, like, crying laughing oh, at some of the deaths. No, there's, there's so There's the, the one, the one that makes me laugh my ass off is, because there's definitely some comedy here, too. You're talking about the one where he throws the axe. Yes, and it's just, it's just a shot of the axe, like, it's like a silhouette and it hits his head. And I was like, oh my it's god. Like spinning. I love that so much. The guy uh, falls on the chainsaw. I, oh, that freaking one, out. That chainsaw fight is fucking awesome. I love, I love, um, I, I, it is funny. It is a movie where the revenge part comes late, but the revenge stuff is still great. Like, I love, um, when he first, I love, I love the, I will say, I love how they explain, because I remember seeing this the first time and thinking, okay, like, this feels a little all over the place in terms of its world building because, like, it's supposed to be like a real world, but there's like ghouls and demons and stuff. But it's explained, which I really like, is that these are guys who are so fucked up on this new type of LSD. Oh yeah, they think they're this. Thing. It's it's the it's it's by far it's definitely the Manson family. Oh yeah, and, but I love this. I love there's there's this idea. There's this cult called the Black Skulls that just like are like Hellraiser guys who like <laughs> who like fucking like destroy. I was a little bit underwhelmed at first whenever he first goes out to get revenge and that first kill is him shooting the dude with like the crossbow. Mm. And I was like, oh, is it just gonna be like like this really darkly lit stuff? Oh no. no, Like I'm gonna I'm not gonna be able to see what the fuck is happening. Like he's just gonna shoot people with a crossbow. I'm like, that's so lame. And then once he gets captured and once he knocks that dude down the down the down the elevator shaft. Another one of my favorite lines and he you're you're a vicious snowflake. (laughs) He says that one thing where he's like that was my favorite, my favorite shirt. <laughs> and then, did, did, did you have the subtitles on when you watched it? Yeah. Oh my god, when he fights the guy. That, the scene I love is when he's, um, he kills the one dude who's like watching porn and like snorting coke. And, and he has like the fucking big dick blade. I, d- I know. slices him. What was that? That, that That's the movie that reminded me, remind me of Seven. Oh, Seven has that. Yeah, the yeah. big dick blade yeah, thing. Yeah. He sliced the guy's throat blood over him. And I love though, 
there's that shot where he stands up after he kills him and the porn is still like in the back. Yeah. It's like somebody just getting like, fucked. The, the guy, guy shoots the guy shoots the TV. And he gets up and he gets that gets the same guy and he goes, You're in my shirt! You're in my shirt! <laughs> and he like cracks his neck. No. Like, oh, so... the part where he where he touches the jar of, of drugs and he taps it, it's like all this it's like a skull losing its muscle like, and all this I love it. He, like he just like he, the rest of the movie he's just high as he's just like well that's what makes it even better is like He's not. I, you're right. He's not doing it for himself anymore. He's just in a, in a daze. He's like in a power, power like fucking like, like so fucking like he's so drugged up and so like obsessed with this idea. Like I'm gonna fucking kill all these. Did you ever hear his two influences for playing the character? Nick Cage, pretty badass. He said that the first half, the first part when he first gets revenge, he, that even that one shot where he cracks the guy's neck and it zooms on his face. That's his Bruce Lee homage. He's Bruce Lee. He okay. he's trying to be like Bruce Lee. He's trying to like that was great when it zooms in after he's like, there's a couple that's of, a that's a, a direct homage to Air the Dragon. Oh, okay. But he said when he gets the drugs, he was trying to like figure out who should, who should be my inspiration in Pounds because mine was like Jason Voorhees. You're Jason Voorhees. And he told Nicolas Cage to go home and watch Friday the thirteenth part seven. And Jason and he took inspiration from Jason in that movie. So the way he moves, he's lumbering like Jason. And there's even a shot when he first gets to the chainsaw where he opens his jaw like that. Yeah. And he literally did it because that's how Jason looked at it, which I thought was just so fucking cool. <laughs> yeah, there's a um there's a couple of there's a lot of homages in this film. Oh, there's yeah. a lot of things that feel like they're like Oh, this is straight up like from a director, uh, like like somebody who inspired me. But never, never feeling like it. Oh, oh no, not not too much. It all feels like very small things. Yeah. Like a good, a good example is, and I doubt that this is the case. This could just be me having my own little fantasy in my head. Like, oh, this guy. That's but like a good example is like when he throws in the old lady's head right next to, um, uh-huh. right next to Jeremiah. I I couldn't help but think about uh, Evil Dead. Oh yeah, that, that's there's there's a couple of there's a couple of zooms too, like that one we were talking about. Where he breaks the neck. Where I'm yeah. just thinking about. I've all thought about it was just Sam Raimi. I was like, it just makes me think of Sam Raimi. <laughs> but that part where he looks at the camera as soon as he's done breaking the neck, that's I was a, like, this is fucking great. Yeah. I was like, I love this. Yeah, it's it's cool because it shows that Cosmatos, while he loves luxuriating, if he when push comes to shove, he can still do a good like fast paced action in the scene too. And I love I love the, the chainsaw fight it was like on the, the on the poster and stuff, and that's a great scene. That to me feels. That, I always said when I my first. I, I think it's a little more than this now, but I did describe when I first saw it. I said it's like the first half is like a David Lynch movie, and then the second half is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part Two. Like it just becomes like chaos. It's so over the top that it can even be funny. Oh yeah, it's, it's pretty hilarious at times. The um, but I love that transition. Like once Mandy dies. Yeah. Which uh, keeping Mandy alive would have been dumb, to be honest. Oh yeah. It would have been so stupid. I was because it, it actually. It actually completely would dismiss the idea of what the theme of the film is, which oh, yeah. is we were talking about how he becomes obsessed with this power, like mm-hmm. this idea of power. And it would completely dismiss that. So I find it really weird that people are like, oh, you created this super interesting female character and then you kill him off. I, I don't know why any of that matters. I'm like, if you if you make a character interesting, it's like... It, 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 yeah. it makes it all the more it, it, we, we, we were talking about Last of Us 2 the other day. It's like, you made an interesting character with Joel. You knew where it needed to end. And he died. And it's like... That's good. Like yeah. it's good to know and that. That's you can a do great that. starting off point. Just like Joel died, that's a great starting off point for a new story. Yeah. That's a great. That's exactly what Mandy, Mandy being does. killed yeah. is a. That's a sad thing. That's yeah. the best. That's if Mandy best. was like to get like revenge on this cult and like break out, it would just be so awkward. But also, it's there's a reason the movie, and I love this is a little detail that I love. It's it, 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 the movie is called Mandy because she is still throughout the whole movie. Like she's the center of the movie. The whole there's a whole the whole last half of the movie has that first title screen. That's the that's movie. what I love. This is Mandy. And it's like, 
to me, and it's like that's the part of the movie she's not even in. But I love that that's because to me, I think the this the movie the story becomes one of her books she's reading. Yeah, it becomes one of the heavy metal albums she listens to. Become you know it becomes yeah. like her story. You know and. In a way, I just think that's really like there's a there's a the poster for this is beautiful. If you ever look at the poster, like the, like one of the best posters ever, not the shitty one that's on the uh, yeah. TV, but um, it's because it's just like it's painted and it's like Nick Cage in the middle and everything going all the chaos beneath him, and then above him is just Mandy like watching over. And yeah, like, the I've perfect, seen that one. No, I love it. It's like that's like exactly what it is. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just great. Um, how do you um how do you think of the uh, um the uh, the ending. Well, we talking about the Nicolas Cage face that's terrifying with so his scary. fucking teeth and eyes. Smiles, right? Because he sees he's looking at Mandy next to him due to fucking drugs. Well, I love I love the ending um, for many reasons. I, I will also say I love like that Jeremiah in his final moments. You find out what a fucking phony he is. Like, oh, he's a coward. He's like he's like he's like I will be God and he will never beat me. And then to me, he's like, Oh God, I'll suck your fucking dick. Like whatever you, you know. He like yeah. becomes so like. And, and he kills he kills Jeremiah brutally and he burns down the church and he leaves and and in that moment though like like nothing has changed like you know he sees Mandy in his head for a second he remembers meeting her at the bar and they, there's that image of them at like some sort of party and he sees her and then she's there and he's looking back at her and he's imagining her there and he smiles to himself like I did this right this was good and the camera has a sharp cut to him just driving. In the with no one, very big emphasis that no one is there for him. Like, yeah. like nothing changed, and and he, what what did his violence bring? What that, did it do? It did nothing. That's what I would say. The violence towards the end of this, and like what he does, it reminds me of Taxi Driver uh-huh. because there's that whole emphasis on the idea of like this guy did all of this stuff, and people could view it as like a good thing at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's like, what did he do it for? He didn't do it for her. He didn't do it for the girl. He didn't do it for. He didn't. He does it. He does it. Yeah, he does it to. He does it to appeal to his own sense of like power. Well, because the taxi driver, it's like he he only did it. It's very different, but in the same way, he like he only did it because he. It's a selfish to, reason. Yeah, he, well, he needed to get his violence out some way. He was gonna kill the senator, the yeah. taxi driver, and he just lost his chance. Like, what else can I do? I'll go kill these people. And and I think it's because now, just like Jeremiah, now, now that Mandy's gone. He, he loses that sense of validation of, like, the good person he has become. So now he needs to prove himself in another way. He becomes high, becomes self-obsessed, becomes wanting, like, wanting to get that power. And people can always view it as badass and, yeah, to kill the cool and shit like that. Yeah, but it's like, it's, like, people who actually view what he's doing as, like, he's doing it for anyone else besides himself... Yeah, it's you're wrong. I was like, he's he's fucking. Why do you think? Why do you too? Why do you think he's sitting around like I am your god? Now? Yeah. <laughs> like fucking crushing skulls and like fucking jizzing with these crushing skulls. It's like it, it's it's so obviously self obsessed. Oh, like yeah. I just I want to fucking murder everyone. <laughs> it's like yeah. this dude's like driving off and he got all that out, but people are gonna view it in the end of the day as like. Oh, he did this all for Mandy. No, no, he. <laughs> I'm like, no, he didn't. He, he didn't do any of this for Mandy. He he woke up the next day. He was thinking about Mandy. He thought to do it for Mandy, and but if he really wanted to do something for Mandy, you want to know what he would have done? He would have walked away. Oh yeah, because that's, Cause what, that's Mandy, what her whole thing was. She she knew that she didn't like violence. She, she didn't like violence. She knew how small we were. We, it's not you know, that's that's her. That's exactly the point. That's exactly that was great. That's that great. Was great. It, it really it, that that really is a. A fantastic way to tell this that. is this is I mean just by our conversation this is like I'm sorry I know you all have your likes but if you if you think beyond black rainbows my movie the Mandy 
I think you're full of shit. Yeah, like just us talking about it, like we we've talked about it just as long as we talked about Beyond the Black Rainbow, but yet we've been able to come like talk about so much more. Oh, yeah. Whether it just be from the surface level cool stuff like kills, or whether it be from the actual stuff that's like in depth with the film and talking about. The, it has similar themes from Beyond the Black Rainbow, but for some reason we could talk about it longer because it doesn't bother to just like give off this pretentious subtlety that's so unneeded. Yeah, and um, I also think too, like I, I want before we keep going, I, before we, I, I just want to like mention like the score is beautiful. I think the score in this is like it's better than I, I like it more than Beyond I the Black Rainbow. This, I was no. obsessed with the score when it came out. I probably listen to I listen to soundtrack all the time. Like the Mandy Love theme is like one of my favorites and. Um, it's Johan Johansson who um, did uh, a lot of great movies. He did uh, Sicario and Arrival, um, and he just passed. He, he, this was his last score he ever did, and I think it's like a fucking. He got fired off of Blade Runner twenty forty nine uh, because it's player his score wasn't Blade Runner enough, which I think is crazy because I think there's some score in this that's so Blade Runner. It's like it, you know I can't imagine that. But, Absolutely. But I lo- I love his score in this, and um, yeah. What they replace him with? Hans, Hans Zimmer. Zimmer. It's a good score. Don't worry. I like the Blade Runner score, but it's like, come on. So, yeah, I would love Hans Zimmer's always like the go-to. Like, go-to, and it's always... It's all, and they're like, oh, well, he can do the... So get him to do Blade Runner. That's why he always works with like a second person. Like, uh, Blade Runner 24 There's like two songs in Blade Runner 2049 that sound very Blade Runner. Oh, yeah, I love them. There's the Mesa. Yeah. That's the one I love. When they go by the waterfalls. I think, I think mine is... Um, that one's great. I think that the song, there's one that's literally called Blade Runner that yeah. sounds like Blade Runner. And there's another one that's Flight to, Flight to, L, what is, what is it? Flight, Flight to LA. Flight, Flight yeah, to LA. Yeah, yeah. I think it was LAPD or something. Flight to like, LAPD. Yep, that's what it Yeah, is. that that one's very Blade Runner-esque yeah. as well. But, but, no, but I'd love to hear what, I would love for them to release like an alternate version with his score because I'm curious what it sounds like because I think this is like incredible. Um I also love the cast of the 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 cult. Like I think they're just. I love the costumes. The costumes are so cool. I love the I love the they're very that's very David Lynch to like get these just weird looking people. They're like just you 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 immediately their faces will stick with you. Like I think about the kid who like is rolling down the window when they're waiting for the. the well, they all just look like addicts. They all, they all look like. But so I love. Disgusting. They just have such a weird, crazy look to them. I love how they sacrifice the 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 quote unquote fat dude. Yeah, yeah. They're like they're like get rid of the pork. Well, did guy. you see it? Did you see his body later on? What part? It, later on, it's. I mean, I don't want to get too graphic about it, but he's got like incision marks by his ass, and he's dead on the ground when man when bread gets up when he's in that den. And he's and that's the guy and the guy who um, has the dick blade is like probably just used them. Yeah. So <laughs> that's pretty. Uh, that's pretty uh, disturbing. No, that's disturbing. But... So yeah, I was like, oh fuck. That's <laughs> um, but that's what I was wondering because I, I thought I thought I saw a body. Mm-hmm. There's a couple scene. bodies. Yeah. yeah, and I was thinking in my head, I was like, is this dude just like fucking people with a blade? Yeah. I was like, that's so fucking that's so weird. fucking gross. Um, but uh, yeah, um, but no, I, but I like I love I, I can see these guys being like perfect like if you wanted like a henchman in like a james bond movie or something like get one of like get the big guy with the chainsaw i think he's yeah. like perfect like you'd be like a great like batman villain or something they're just uh-huh. awesome I, lo- I love that chainsaw fight i love i love the like dick measuring of how big his chainsaw is when he pulls it out i know like, i love how ginormous yeah this <laughs> chainsaw is huge so great chainsaw is like the fucking longest thing ever That's so cool um but yeah no i i just uh i don't know i what were some of the quotes? Oh, um, I, I was going to write them down. I didn't, uh, but I'll have a couple. I know uh, the Eric Estrada joke I had already did with the knock-knock. That's great. I love um, when he says, uh, when Bill, when he goes to Bill Duke's house uh, to get the arrows, 
Bill Duke goes, uh, those things will cut through cut through bone like a fat kid through cake. Oh yeah, that one's great. <laughs> I love that, that one. That's great. I love. Oh, I, I didn't even mention my favorite scenes, which is where um, he says uh, that same scene. He goes, um, he's like, "What happened to you, man?" He's like, "He's like weirdo." He goes, he goes, he's like, uh, "You don't look so good." He goes, "Yeah, well, they let her on fire." Because there were a bunch of them hippie weirdos. <laughs> like so he said, he calls them Jesus he's freaks. Like, Jesus freaks. <laughs> hippie. Yeah, it's so great. He goes, he's like, he goes, he goes, like, what happened? He was like, Jesus freaks. He goes, I didn't know they were in style. That's <laughs> so great. Um, that's great. I love, uh, I love all of Jeremiah. I love when Jeremiah is like, it's better than the carpenter. That's I love the carpenters, but this is even better. And it's like he doesn't even tell it's her. It's him first. He plays his music like he's like the greatest fucking thing. There's one scene that's so David Lynch, the way it's framed. It's it's actually the one scene movie I don't know if I like. Um, it's when they bring out um, a bug thing that, like... The wasp? Yeah, wa- is, it, is that a wasp? It's just a big-ass wasp, I guess. Well, yeah, it's it's meant to be venom. Together. No, I get that, but, yeah. like, that, that... Is that, like, are wasps really that fucking huge? Yeah, some of them are. Okay, fuck. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I was no, like, that, that, that's literally just the thing to where they were, like, obviously they're just trying to get her more high. Oh, okay. They're trying to get her more high off the venom, so, but yeah. that's a uh, that no a wasp can get that bad. Okay, I didn't know. I, not I was, not not really in America, but like I mean, I'm sure that they, they can got, export them and stuff. Okay, that makes sense because I was like, is it like a fantasy wasp in this fucking like movie? I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, no, but uh, I love that. I love when she's like, that. That's what we call the cherry on top. Yeah, it's that like was so, great. she's already getting her high. And it's she's like, like so flinchy and just weird. And then um, yeah, I love that. I love. Um, the line I love, I love. Uh, you look up like those murder wasps. Those things are fucking giant. Oh like, god, it's yeah, so scary. Massive. Um, another line I love is when he says, "Have you seen um, uh, have you seen the um, fuck the uh the 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 man bat things? Yeah, they're fucking scary, dude. Yeah, they're like the size of like fucking half an adult size, and they just hang. Have you seen those recently? Oh they're like apparently one of them came back from being like endangered, and they're like. <laughs> like, oh, no. That's horrifying. That's <laughs> like, all... We're gonna see. I think they're like in South Asia or something. You're just gonna see like giant fucking. Oh <laughs> that's so scary. <laughs> oh, that's horrifying. Some <laughs> 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 bandy just have like a hundred of fucking oh like, giant bats flying around. Oh my god. Do uh, bats really get that big? Yeah. Some just fucking adult-sized bats flying so around. So scary. Um, no, uh, but the other two lines I love is uh, when he comes in. He says uh, he sees Jeremiah. And he says, uh, the mystic, he goes, uh, the, oh shit, the psychotic drowns where the mystic swims. You're drowning, I'm swimming. That's great. And then he cut, he crushes his head. And he's like, I'm your god now. I'll blow you, man. I'll suck your fucking dick. <laughs> it's so good. Oh, uh, yeah, no, there's, there's some great ones. I love, too, when he's, like, trying to tell, uh, Mandy, trying to tell Red before he kills him. He's like, he's like, he's like. He's, I see it, man. I see it. You got. He's like. He's like. You have so much bad energy. I can't. He's just like. Yeah, I love the idea, and I think it's something that should be utilized more, especially in like fucking like big blockbusters. And I think it's so easy to tap into. So I don't know why more people don't. Probably because it would cause people to think. But it's like where you have these people of such big power, and when people start to like really release that like adrenaline, like that built up stuff. You really get like this sense of like I'm like a god. I'm fucking amazing. Like like it, like if you like like you know for a fact that like if this dude was like crushing this guy's head, in the moment if somebody came up right behind Red and just like stabbed him, this dude would just go right back to being like yeah fuck you like I knew you're the worst yeah, yeah. and like get right back into it's it. Kind of what they 
that's kind of what they could have done with like Kylo Ren is make him like a character who's like so so independent. That's what I thought Nine was gonna be because I'm like, oh, this is this kid who is fucking yeah, yeah, like he just has this grasp of power that's un- it's uncontrollable and yeah. he's. He's, he just believes himself to be, like, the almighty, almost. Right. It's like, I believe that stuff is so interesting. And with all the amount of superhero movies and all this bullshit and fucking media, I would think they would tap into that a little bit more, yeah. but they never, they never do. They're like, oh, no, they're always they're always the nice person. They always do it for everyone else. Then I'm like, I get it. If it's Superman, that's fine. If it's Captain America, whatever. I get it. But, like, why the fuck are, like, every single person, like, I'm, why is, like, fucking Ant-Man doing all this shit for everyone else? Yeah. But um, the last thing I wanted to ask was when I asked about what your thoughts were about the ending. Um, um one of the ones I specifically referred to is the final shot where of it's like everything in the planets. background. Yeah. Um. Well, they they do that quite a bit in the movie where there's like there's like kind of strange space things in the sky. I thought for multiple times that those were the. And it still could represent this, just not literally. Um, I thought those were the planets they both brought up. I thought maybe one was Galactus and one was... Um, Galactus isn't a planet. Like, sorry, he's like, he planets. I'm not, I'm not well, it's like a comet. It's a comet, yeah. yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so I thought it was maybe like Jupiter. Saturn and Jupiter. Yeah, because I thought... But I guess not. Um, no, I don't think they are. I do, I do think it just sort of... I think it matches like the the, the psychedelic drug drug overtones. I do. I think stuff. I think it just sort of... That's what I got from the ending part, at least. I think it kind of just is a lingering memory of Mandy, too, like... This is Mandy's world, kind of. You know, this is sort yeah. of her. She loves like that, that otherworldly yeah, fantasy. Stuff. Yeah, drug. Yeah. I, w- I wonder if that Seeker of the Serpent's Eye is a real book too. That one she's probably. I, I guarantee you it is. It's yeah. probably a, a, a strong homage to it, oh, just yeah. being like a reference. Like, I love that she. I love the costumes of Mandy too. I love that she's always wearing like Motley Crue or like Black Sabbath. Oh, yeah, she looks like one of those like art school girl students. Yeah, so like, be, like, like in like a bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I've seen girls that are like Mandy. Oh, that, yeah. That are like that. That's like oh, that chick would be somebody who's cool to hang around. <laughs> that person would be awesome yeah. <laughs> to yeah. hang out with. But, I love uh, to reintroduce her, and she's like just like smoking weed and like drawing like these weird like cool. Yeah, like, yeah. Drawings. Yeah, she's one of those just awesome girls. You're just yeah. like oh, I could hang around that person. That person's awesome. Yeah. But. uh yeah, I love I love uh, Mandy the character. I like Red. I really like Jeremiah. Not in like like way, obviously, but no, he's great, great in the movie. Um, yeah, I I don't. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to rewatch it at some point for sure. It's um, definitely a movie that I love even more the second time. I'll have to rewatch it again for sure. But this came out the same time as uh, Suspiria, the remake too. Those were two movies that was like. Spirit, I also need to rewatch. Yeah. I want to rewatch that's Spirit. Spirit is a movie that I genuinely didn't really like the first time, and then I really loved it the second time. But Mandy, I was always like a fan. Mandy, you're always like, yeah, Mandy. Like Mandy, Mandy like, bam, reminds me of like Brutal Legend. It was so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was so awesome, though, because it is like the most metal movie ever. Um, it was awesome, though, when the movie came out, though, because even I saw it in theaters, I was like, oh, man, I wish I had it. And then it wound up being on VOD the next day. So I was like, oh, fuck. So I just bought it and watched it. amazing. <laughs> like all the time. I would give it a on, a, on a letter scale like I did Beyond the Black Rainbow. I would give it a B, B or B plus. Okay. I give it an A. A, a solid A. 10 out of 10. I, I, I don't believe in A pluses, but there are a few movies that are A pluses, but. So I give it an A. I buy. It. I think it. I think it's nearly perfect. I. I, I think. I really. I, I. Even though I know it's not a perfect movie, I could. I just love it. 
I love it. I'm so glad you finally watched it. I've been like wanting you to watch this movie for like two years. Yeah. Now. I might rewatch that and Suspirio someday back to back. That's a good double feature. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. I'll probably do that. Well, well Rossi original Suspiria too. Yeah, I don't even. I haven't even seen the original Suspiria. Fuck. Big fan. Big, big fan. Big fan. Um. So my recommendation is going to be something that came out on a whim because I have nothing. Oh, yeah. I have not. I had nothing planned. I, I forgot entirely. I was going to be recommending something. So. Um, oh no. I'm just I, I I feel like I feel like you're going to be like, oh, why are we talking about things like that don't matter? Why? But go ahead. It's not another like I'm, foreign movie, is it? No. Okay. Go. Okay, good. I, I don't want to like a foreign film. I was kidding. Like, I, was kidding. Okay, I love Tarkovsky. <laughs> Bring up, uh, uh, what's the guy's name who directed Parasite? Oh, uh, Bong Joon-ho? Yeah, I just bring up him and I'm like, we're watching all of his movies. You're like, oh my god! I'd watch it. No, I love Bong Joon-ho. Um, no, I'm watching through Harry Potter. It's a fuck it. I'm just gonna do Harry Potter. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we watch all eight Harry Potter movies. Yeah. Okay. We could talk about them within two hours. That's true. That's not. That's not. They're not like. This that. is gonna be a weird one because I have a much more affinity for this franchise than Tyler does. So yeah, Tyler I'm, actually has kind of a disdain for it. Yeah, I don't care for Harry Potter. <laughs> at least, I, I, was, I, I might like them. It I was. Might. I mean, I, uh, just so we're on the same like. As a kid, it was Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Yeah. Just so you know. For me, it was Lord of the Rings is my, like, fantasy go-to. And, and still to this day, I can't wrap my head around the idea that Harry Potter, to a lot of people, is better than Lord of the Rings. I, I wouldn't I go that never, far. I, I can go, never wrap my head around I would never go that far, but I do think Harry Potter was a, was a big part of my life. Yeah. The, um, I'm going to rewatch them, though. I'm already done with the first one. And I... We also talk about how horrible J.K. Rowling became as a person. Oh, my god. Oh, yeah, we get it. That'll be another topic. But, um, yeah. We'll talk about those. Um, I'm interested to see if I'm gonna like them more or less. I'm or actually, I, haven't, I haven't watched all the all the way through in a while, and that'll be fun. Julia will watch those with me because she likes them too. So, dope, dope, epic. All right, dope. Well, nothing's as good as DComs. Oh, nothing ever will be. This is a bit of a different <laughs> types of movies. Than Whenever that. I was watching Mandy, I was like Zetus Lapidus. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is this is incredible. <laughs> you got yeah. Mandy should be a DCOM. Mandy should be a decom. They should put that on Disney Plus. They'll censor the whole film. <laughs> They'll be like, we can't show off this kill. They we just show off Cheddar, this this Cheddar album. What did, what did they put up just... Re- oh, yeah, they put up Hamilton, censored all the F-bombs or something. There's only like one. I hope they There's don't. three. They censored all three of them. Are they really going to? It comes out tomorrow. I they already did. Yeah. Watch they already did. Yeah, it's like, why? It's like... I'm still excited for Hamilton. What children's going to watch fucking Hamilton? What, what fucking five-year-old's going to be like, Hamilton's on TV, Mom! <laughs> yeah, so I'm going to watch tomorrow, so... But I, yeah, I'll, no, I'll they, censor, they censor all. Yeah. That sucks. That was the, the, the creators already came out and said it and everything, so... Okay. That's because Disney Sorry, Plus, everything has to be... Nothing can have Protected. the other word. We can't hurt... We can't hurt the little children's feelings! <laughs> Meanwhile, we got Netflix over here making like Big Mouth. It looks like a kid's show. <laughs> oh, this is a fun cartoon. Oh my god! Bo Jack Horseman. Uh, don't hurt the little kids' feelings. We can't just have like you know like an adult section or anything that's locked by a pin code. That doesn't make any sense. I want like I'm gonna like start like hiding all um like Disney movies like 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 crappy like movies I don't like for kids like Angry Birds or something, I'm like, hey, watch Angry Birds, and then I'm going to replace every disc with, like, a DVD rip copy of the Cheddar Goblin scene from, uh... <laughs> you know how, like, fucking batshit insane I'd go if, like, on Disney Plus they added, like, fucking Alien and Predator and <laughs> just, like, Did you hear Marvel Comics Alien and Predator today? Oh, really? Yeah, officially. That's cool. It's kind of cool. Yeah, I... bad for Dark Horse, though. They have nothing. Because they lost Star Wars to Marvel and Elliot. Oh, no. For Dark Horse. I like Dark Horse. Me too. They were cool. Yeah. But, like, yeah. No, I would love it. It'd be great. Okay. Harry Potter, next week. 
Boom. Be there. Boom. Watch it. We don't care. You're a wizard, Harry. 